everybody. Welcome to RPG Cast, episode 264 for the week of April 27th, 2013. Hold on, hold on. Lucifer's not here. You don't have to turn it off. I know. I got... You're safe. I know we can only take so much Lucifer. And this week, no Lucifer. All right? All right. Who do I have with me? That's right. I got a bunch of cool people. And it's another Commonwealth invasion. First off, I've got Alex Fuller. Greetings. I have Anna-Marie Neufeld. You have Robrits instead of Britakus. That's true. And John Yearworth. Yay, real Brits. Representing the States, I got Emmanuel Marino. Earl Grey, hot. <laughs> who's, who's defecting, apparently. And myself, Chris Privetier. We're here. We are all associated with RP Gamer in one form or another, and we like to talk about news about games and and. Gundam models, apparently. So why don't we talk about what we've been doing this week? John, I'm most interested in what you've been doing. So, yes, I finally finished my first 1 in 60 model kit this week. Finally. Bearing in mind, I started building that quite a long time ago. How long ago? Uh, I think shortly after I came back from Canada. Whoa. So, sort of last September. That took you a while. No, well, it's less the fact that it took me a while and more the fact that I just kept on putting it off. I've had the... On the main part of the model, I've actually had the, the torso, the legs, the shoulder stuff pretty much finished since last year. And then I basically just sort of um, just didn't want didn't, – didn't ever seem to pick up the inclination to do anything else. So and then, did you have to paint it too? No, thankfully most Gumpler models uh, – Gumpler being the ones produced by Bandai for oh. Gundam series uh, – usually come uh, like mostly pre-painted. Um, if you want to do like kind of fine detail, um, they give you like a kind of color guide showing you where stuff should be. Um, there is a lot of decal work that you have to put on them, which I haven't done yet because it's really difficult. But I think you skipped the most important thing. What exactly did you build? You said 160 model, but that's it. Okay, the the modeling question is a 1 in 60 version of the 00 riser from Gundam 00, which is an anime series. Keeping up on that one. Mm. But I do know it's a, you said it's a perfect grade, which is the best that Bandai does, right? Yes. Outside of um, extremely expensive stuff that they produce for like storefronts, this is uh, the, it's kind of like the highest grade they kit they produce for commercial. Like, or like for... actual size models that they put in Odaiba. Yeah, all the, the like the ones, all the ones like the one point five meter tall ones that they put in some like shop fronts and okay. stuff. Yeah. And these are crazy because um, they have, like, skeletons. Sometimes they have, like, working lights inside of them. Yeah, actually, I must admit, I'm quite – it's quite interesting. Um, it, it's kind of hard to see on the picture, actually. Um, but I suppose you, if you can see the little, little cylindrical sections on, say, for example, the elbow joint and the joint just before the hand, it's, probably, it's clearer to see on the uh, left hand than the right hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also on the legs as well, is they basically um, – in order to make the model more poseable, um, the joints feature a thing where you can actually only rotate the joints if you push in a, um, a sort of spring-loaded section on the arm or on the joint, and that allows you to then uh, manipulate it. And then when you let go, it kind of locks it in place, which means the model can um, sort of hold up uh, have the sort of quite heavy uh, equipment that I... Uh, Say, for example, the large blade on the right arm. Um, it makes it easier for the model to be able to hold that up without gravity kind of dragging it back down again. Sweet. Um, 
which is something that smaller models uh, can't do because they don't have the, the kind of like the size to incorporate that kind of mechanism. I like it. Yeah, I always thought it was interesting. I always wanted a, a perfect grade of the, uh, what's it called, the original Gundam. I was like, you know, how you sort of build it from the skeleton out. Yeah, feels yeah. Like the, 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 the big, actually, the big, yeah. With the with the big models, basically, what you do is you sort of build a kind of internal, like this, there's uh, this internal frame, and then you sort of put all the armor sections on over the top to produce the full model. Um, and the, the the like, the internal frame section also kind of provides kind of support and stability to the model as much as it would if 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 it was a one in one scale sort of thing. So yeah, that was that was that was fun. It's not quite finished. Um, there's a couple of weapons I still haven't built yet, but it's it's kind of mostly finished. So this has taken away all your time that you would would have put into gaming, right? No, I've played a couple of other things. Oh, or well, a couple of other things like worth mentioning anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, Actually, so the first... hold on, hold on. What did you play that's not worth mentioning? I'm trying to remember. Well, anything not worth mentioning is anything I can't remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. I made a, a minor splash into the realm of um, obscure uh, Japanese arcade train simulators this week um, by trying out a copy of Densha to Go Final for the PS2. What does Densha uh, to Go mean? Uh, let's ride trains. Um, oh, okay. But basically, it's a it's a port of those um, of the very arcade. Like when when you kind of um, think of like the arcade train simulators that you sort of may have in your head from, I don't know, Japanese culture blogs or something. Uh, mm-hmm. Densha to Go is basically the series produced by Taito that is a port of their uh, arcade games. It does actually have a PC version as well, but the PS2 one's easier to find. Um, well, wait, when I think of Train Simulator, I think of like a, you know, a sim game is something you want to spend hours at at your, at your home. How does it work in, yeah, a, the- in an arcade? The the way the Japanese one works is um, basically you are it's given like you sort of you have a kind of work order which is um, like a section of a famous rail line in Japan. Uh, I think the big ones for this particular version are the um, Yamanote Circular Line in uh, Central Tokyo, and also a similar circular line in Central Osaka. I've ridden that. Um, yes, I've been on the Yamanote line myself. Um, and basically, what you have to do is um, it dry, it basically, you're given points and are rewarded for accurate train driving, as it were. That's how it works in a kind of arcade context. I thought those things are like automated. How do you do no. accurate train driving? How does that. Basically, you know, oh you, have, you, you have, do you an have an accelerator. controller? No, I do not have the controller. Oh my, they've got these crazy... Okay, so I found pictures now of the arcade thing, which is stand-up. It's got a pedal. It's got an acceleration lever and, like, a brake lever. And there's a home yeah. controller for it, too. Oh, yeah. my gosh. It, this, this, this series is big. You know, there are, like, eight versions of this. Like, every... You know, they release a new one with, with a better graphics engine, and they'll port it to, you know, the... Con- there is a PS3 version. There's a PS3 bullet train version as well, I think. Basically, what I mean by accurate train driving is, um, whereas a sort of standard simulator game where you just could just drive a train, uh, you are scored and, you know, you, you, there is an arcade scoring system that involves, like, chaining uh, 
points together by um you've it's a very hard game to play if you don't know how to how anything at all about japanese railways because you kind of have to do things like obey speed limits and stuff like that and arrive on time you know because if you don't if you arrive 30 seconds late you might as well commit seppuku oh no I, I mean, honestly, um, when I was living in Japan, there was one time where um, I think it was like heavy leaf cover, leaf, like leaf cover on the line caused a train that I was to take to school to be delayed by about th- three to five minutes. There's a lot of people waiting on the platform, and as the um, train sort of slowly pulled into the station, uh, you know, everyone, like everyone along the entire platform, were just giving the driver this like ice cold death glare as the train just sort of slowly sailed past it was quite amazing to see <laughs> you just get, does the game let you just troll people just oh yeah pull up to is, the station and then just keep going don't stop for them there is a uh, there is a you know it's like a life bar so that you know there is like arcadey elements to it <laughs> like generally you will finish a like a run in like i don't know 10 15 minutes it's a high score game oh okay um, and yeah, the other game I played is um, uh, Poker Night at the Inventory 2 by Telltale. Yeah, that's uh, a game that needed to come out, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't Which know why they made that. but It's actually quite entertaining. Is I it? Mean, it was, oh. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> but it's they, got... Okay, so it has Ash from Evil Dead, except it's not voiced by Bruce Campbell. So... No, that is mildly disappointing. But then again, they didn't have uh, Bruce Campbell voice the Ash in Telltale's Evil Dead games either. Oh, really? I didn't know they no. did Evil Dead games. Well, they did. Wow. When was that? Okay. Um, and then Brock Sampson from the Venture Brothers. Yeah, that's like five years too late, isn't it? Uh, Claptrap from Borderlands. Cool. Um, this time it's now Sam from Sam and Max, mm-hmm. as opposed to Max from Sam and Max. And the dealer is GLaDOS. See, okay, so I'm up for Claptrap well, and GLaDOS. Does she cheat? No, no, she, well, she's the dealer. She's just there to, to uh, insult your intelligence. Oh, right, of course. Oh, and Claptrap flirts with her as well, which is quite funny. <laughs> really? That's yeah, creepy. Both, that's nice. They're both robots. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's GLaDOS. Well, of course, she brushes him off at every occasion, but, you know, Claptrap is, well... Claptrap. Yeah. Incessant. Actually, I'll tell you what, I think the funniest thing I think I've seen in that game so far is um uh I well I eliminated Claptrap from the game at one point and he hops down from the table, says, Well, you know, in his cheerful uh I can't do Claptrap voice, I really can't. But he's you know, says in his cheerful voice, Well, I don't care, my my twenty grand was paid for more generously by Gearbox software. Uh, <laughs> And then uh, he rolls off to the side and then gets a phone call with, what do you mean un- unapproved expenses? I'm getting the brand name out there. <laughs> I just think, considering everything that Gearbox have been through recently with um, Aliens, Colonial Marines, I just found the whole thing hilarious. That's pretty good. But considering it was only four quid and I did kind of quite like the original, I thought it was money well spent. Plus you get some neat little unlockables as well. Like the uh, the turret portal skin for the assassin in Borderlands Two. Oh my! Okay, Anyways. I'm sitting here looking at YouTube videos of Railfan now. I need to turn this off. This is. Really <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! See, the funny thing is, is um, uh, the uh, the Denshi to Go Final um includes a a side mode where you don't drive the train. All you have to do is um. 
basically you have to open and close the store the doors when you when the driver gets to a station and then announce the next station which they do through a little mini game with lots of japanese in it Mm. Um, now obviously for any japanese person that's familiar with the city in question this would be amazingly easy but for uh you know someone who isn't like me even though i've traveled on the yamanote line uh, Mm -hmm. it's actually quite difficult (laughs) but i i I kind of i i've I've kind of tried to use it so far as a way to just learn a little bit more japanese out of it the only thing i haven't been able to ever get right is um uh in order to get maximum points you have to uh close the doors at the right time so the train can leave on time and i can never get the timing right (laughs) so like the tone the 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 tone on asakan stations is really confusing yeah okay (laughs) Again, this is all stuff I thought was automated. Uh. No, no, it's not. Hmm. Anyways, that's that's me done. <laughs> I'm so interested in this, but all right, all right, all right. Um, Anna, what'd you play? You don't know. Sure, I do. Okay. Um, because I played League of Legends. You did. <laughs> so you're back into that, right? Yeah, I need to talk to you about this after the cast. Yes. Um, so you may have some business-related reasons for it. Yes, but not anything exciting like people think. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was like, I should play some League of Legends, and so I was playing, and I ran into my first serious rager. Ooh, it was great. Okay, now were you playing bots or people? Um, bots. Okay. So easy. On whatever random is, there are, there are two difficulty levels for bots. There are e- there there is normal, uh, there is easy, and then oh sorry, it's beginner and then intermediate. Um, I think I was playing beginner. Okay, you got a rager so, on beginner. Wow. Yeah. So basically, oh, I meet with time. We all broke off. Um, I went bottom with somebody, and someone went mid, and two people went top. And the guy who went bottom with me wasn't helping at all, and he was just sitting in the bushes. So I was like, well, this is kind of lame, because there are two heroes down here, and this just isn't working well. So I hopped over to the middle lane. (laughs) And when he wasn't calling me a three-letter F word, he was telling everybody else to... Um, he Ooh, was the he person in the bushes. Ca- no, the person in the middle lane. Oh, he didn't like you being there. No. And I mean, this wasn't like you know. He politely asked me to leave, and it escalated from there. I got there, and the and the cursing started. Ooh. Do you report him? And when he wasn't swearing at me. Or swearing at the other people who were just like, dude, shut up. <laughs> um, he was spamming like that alert that like hits the map yeah. and stuff like that. You know, it was like alerts and retreats. And basically my client was pinging about three quarters of the map. But I didn't really have anywhere else to go because there's no point being on a lane where someone's just sitting there doing nothing. And I mean, we were actually making really good progress. We broke through the middle. I mean, the match was, ended up being super short. Well, you should almost you should always win beginners matches. So, right. But I mean, it was one of those things, and it was great because he's just like f bombing and, um, you know, calling me unfortunate names, and um, 
even better is at one point he's like, I'm going to quit. And everyone else on the team goes, LOL. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was fun and different. And um, I'm probably going to play some more LOL again this week. Hopefully I won't meet a rager again. But it was pretty entertaining, oh, no, no. I have to admit. Statistics say that you will. Ah, that's sad. I don't know. I mean, I just I reported him, so we'll see what happens. There is, I mean, there funny. is a reason why they, there is a reason why David doesn't play anymore. <laughs> no, no, that's I know, I know. The thing that amuses me is in the middle of the match, he's like, "I'm going to report you," and someone else in the game is like, "For what? Not listening to you?" <laughs> he's like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> everybody goes now, LOL again. Now, can't you report people who act like that and there's like a tribunal and all that crap? Or, yeah. I don't no, know how it I works. Mean, the, um, you can report someone for failing to communicate. But I mean, I think if they look at the log and see the second that I step into the lane, he's like, OMG F-bombs! Um, I think they may not take his side on that one. Well, you, you communicated um, because you talked. Yeah. Yeah, so you're good. Yeah. You should report him. It take, as far as I remember, it takes several reports to end up on the tribunal anyway. <laughs> I want to get uh, him on the tribunal. Considering his attitude, I cannot imagine he's not been reported before. Oh, yeah. No, no, that, this was like immediate freak out. It was fun. At least well, I mean, chance. I mean, chance. Some, 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 uh, some rages that you run into are probably people on uh, high-level players on Smurfs. So, could be. I don't know. I mean, it was just kind of one of those weird things. It was like the match went great, except for the dude that was completely flipping. <laughs> yeah. So that's all you did is uh, get yelled um, at in lol. I've been playing a couple of phone games. Uh, um, match, Legacy of... Matching huh? the friends. Match that yeah. phrase, or what's that phrase? <laughs> what's the phrase? We've yeah. been playing that a lot. It's a new Zynga game, which it's makes Wheel my soul feel a little dirty. But um, it's actually pretty pretty well done. Um, other than that, um, Legacy of a Thousand Sons, which I used to play a ton of on Facebook. I was like level 700 or something like that. Um, recently released a mobile version. And I can't... I don't have my old character back, but they loaded me up with a couple hundred suns so that I could, you know, get started. Cool. So, that's... It's fun. I actually like... Uh, they did a really good job boarding into phone. But it's the same it feels, game that you just... Yeah. You got as far as you could reasonably go. Why do you need to no, play No, no, I didn't. No, no, no. <laughs> I quit it because I started playing more phone games than Facebook games. That was really the only reason that I quit. It's still a good game. And I didn't get as far as I could have. I meant on your own without devoting eight hours of your life every day to it. Huh? Never mind. Keep going. (laughs) I think that's it. it. I Oh, I played a little bit of Pokemon. I'm lost. I can't find the next gem. And before anyone gets tempted to go check out um, Legend of a Thousand Sons, it's another one of those menu-based Facebooky RPGs where you click a lot of buttons to complete quests, and it's not fun at all. But whatever. That's my opinion. Because all those games are the same. It's like two types of games on Facebook. Those, the menu-based RPGs where you're just clicking quest, 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 and then the card-based ones 
Where again, you're just clicking buttons to quest, quest, quest. And buying cards for your deck. It's ridiculous. We need some innovation. Everyone's copying those game models. They must be really effective as far as getting people to pay money. They're not really effective at spawning conversations. So let's see. Severin, what did, what did you play? You'll, uh, you'll have to check the guide for me after the podcast because I really am lost in Pokemon. Oh, okay. Uh, Alex? Alex, yeah, okay. Alex what did you play? Yeah. I've been playing quite a few games because I've had no attention span this week. <laughs> but most of my time has been playing Dragon Fantasy for review. Hey, cool. I, Which, I booted that up yay. a little, played, played an hour or so. It's uh, That plays real nice when you have buttons. I like that. Yeah. It's good. Uh, I probably didn't like it as much as Michael Cunningham did when he originally reviewed it. It's still pretty fun. I'm sort of, I'm pretty near the end of that now, so hopefully we'll have a review up early next are week. Are you... Which chapter are you in? Uh... I was in the end of chapter three, but then I found a bug. Oh yeah, which I need to um, wait for the next patch for. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's if I recall correctly, you are probably at the crash bug that happens right before the credits. Yeah, um, yeah. I did look it up and sort of it's right at the point just before it finishes. Yeah. Um, so, one thing. So basically, I've just moved on to the Minecraft it, chapter now. The intermission M. Yeah. yeah. So, fun fact about that, it was actually developed on an airplane. <laughs> what? So, Intermission M is a side chapter that I don't actually think it's available outside of the PSN right now. It is a Minecraft level. No, it, it is. Was it? Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if he put it out with the other ones. Yeah, it's a Minecraft level. And um, basically the story behind it is is Adam and Brian were flying to Minecon and um, Brian basically slept the whole flight there and Adam was frantically, you know, stabbing at his laptop and they get off the plane and um, Adam's like, hey, I want to show you something, Brian. And he whips out this level, this Minecraft level. And Brian is like, when did you make this? And Adam's like, on the plane. So nice. they ended up having a Minecraft level for Minecon, and then they went home and added a few finishing touches and added it to the game. Nice. That's the way to do it. Make a whole level on the airplane. By the way, creepers are scary, scary things. I haven't you seen have them been yet. warned. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll be prepared. Uh, aside from that, I've just started playing Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen. All right. So fill me in on Dragon's Dogma. This is, what is this game about? And now that it's Dark Arisen, why is it better? Okay, Dragon's Dogma is sort of Capcom's attempt to make a Western-style RPG. Now, this is the one where you're climbing around on Griffin's backs and stabbing them, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, I, mean, I, found it to, I found it to be quite fun. I mean, it was quite unpolished in certain areas. It was an obvious first attempt, but they did it really well, and I think they've... I think they're making a sequel. Well, what did they do with the with this expansion? Did, did they this, add that polish that was missing, or did they just add more content? They've done a bit of both. I mean, I think they've, they've worked on the visuals a fair bit to sort of make... I think they've got some more, more HD-ness in them, 
and there were there were a few visual issues on console. The PS3 version had slow down in sort of when there was a lot going on, and the 360 version had massive screen tears. But um, the main bit of this is there's a really big dungeon, which is for basically sort of end game level players. Okay. Uh, I would say more, but I haven't got that far enough into it to say that. But it's basically more Dragon's Dogma. Okay. So th- this is a game that it's only single player, right? Yep, it's only single player, but it has the sort of multiplayer action that you can hire pawns from other people. So pawns are sort of companion characters. Ah. So you, you can basically hire sort of. Hire you have your friends one, to be in the game. Yeah, so you, you get you get one main pawn, which is sort of your completely customizable companion, and you can hire two more from either friends or sort of anywhere in the world, okay. <laughs> which is fun because they they sort of they bring knowledge of any quests that they've been on before. So they sort of, they give you a sort of advice if you haven't. They give you advice. Really? So like they'll tell you where to go and stuff? Hello? He died. Mid sentence. He got dark arisen did did. Alex Stop revealing okay. the secrets of the pawn. What happened? There's, there's a button on my uh, headset which I didn't know existed. Oh <laughs> you found the mute button. <laughs> yeah. Good job. When did I press it? Um, I'd asked you a question of how they help you. Do they tell you like where things are or what? Yeah, they'll sort of tell you sort of the next place to go. And they'll also, they'll also sort of give advice on defeating enemies that you haven't met yet as well. Okay. Cool. But they, make it, they make it pretty fun. So you like the game. How are you enjoying more of it? Or are you, just, uh, are you playing through just the expansion content or are you replaying the whole game? I'm just playing through the expansion content. I did want an excuse to get back into it, but I really, at the moment, I can't be bothered to play the entire thing. Mm-hmm. So, but this is a really good excuse to play some more stuff that I haven't seen yet. So, yeah, I'm looking forward Do, to seeing where this goes. Is this Capcom's answer to Demon Souls or not? Is it's, it its own thing. I think the original game wasn't so much, but this expansion looks like it is so it's is it a lot they've harder taken, they've t- it's not harder but they've got stuff like mi- they've got mimic chests ah. now I, I i found one of those the hard ways in dark yeah. souls yeah so they didn't have those before and there's sort of it, it's a lot danker sort of the entire theme is a, a lot more in line with Demon Souls and Dark Souls than it was before. Wolf in our chat room says it's their modern day D and D game, which I never played any of the old Capcom D and D games, so I can't compare to that. Um, I don't know if you did, Alex. Okay, uh, no, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> uh, he's also he's got a good point about it being really hard at the beginning. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's the balance is a bit odd in the original game because I wonder if they big... fixed that in the well, darker version. Got... Um, they don't, but what they do have now is sort of more memory, uh, not memory, uh, difficulty options. Oh. So there's, there's a hard mode, there's an easy mode, and the normal mode now. Ah. Because it was generally 
quite hard at the beginning, but then with Dixie easy towards the end when you're high level. Can you change it on the fly? Um, uh, yes. You definitely change between easy and normal and high, and I'm pretty sure you can go into hard mode whenever you want. Alright. Cool. So, yeah. to try out. I'm really I'm interested in the game, and I hear like its ending is things go really weird at the end or something, but... Um... Yeah, it's got two endings. Okay. Sort of. And things kind of get... Yeah, and so I'm intrigued by that, but um, see if I ever get around to it. Yeah. You've been playing uh, anything else? I have. I've been playing two 3DS games. I've got... I'm playing through Devil's Five Overclocked slowly. Mm-hmm. Playing that Mostly because Fire Emblem came out last week, and that's been distracting me from it. Because I also got the fancy Fire Emblem 3DS XL came out here which is awesome I didn't I was actually doubting how much of a difference the bigger screens would make Uh, it makes a big difference but now I've got it it's awesome yeah it's a big deal (laughs) yeah but I'm actually on the beginning of the sixth day on DS Overclocked I think so I've got to actually start thinking which route to go down um, you need to start thinking about it on day two, because the decisions well, that you make. Which routes I've got left anyway. <laughs> oh, okay, that makes sense. Because <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, um, there are important things you need to do if you want to take certain routes. I, mean, I don't know, um, like yeah, saving, I've... choosing to intercede in or leave certain fights alone. Yeah, no, I've, I'm aware of that. <laughs> So just making sure. I'm finding images on on online, and the Fire Emblem Awakening 3DS is a standard 3DS. Is it a XL in Europe only it's or something? An, it's an XL in Europe only. Oh my gosh! It was their uh, apologies for releasing it slightly later here. <laughs> you guys suck. You know that, man. <laughs> they get everything in Europe. Look at this thing. Albeit um, a lot later. Really, Chris? <laughs> but from Nintendo, they do. Nintendo of oh. Europe is better. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> Sony Europe is better, too. Yeah. Um, that's what I hear from a lot of journalists. I'm telling you, Europe's better. I'm telling you. Maybe the pendulum will swing back. All right. Um, Manny, you played nothing, right? How dare you assume such a thing? Okay, what'd you play? Some Forza Horizon. Hey, you played something. Yay! Because you, but you never played it. So how am I supposed to match my scores against you? I'll get on that. Exactly, man. I gotta see your times on like different things. I go like, oh, I could beat that. I'm not gonna let him. I'm not gonna let that stand. Oh, I better get on that. I even bought the stupid controller because it was super cheap. Oh yeah. The U, the steering wheel thing. Well, I put it back in because uh, they released an update recently called like the One Thousand Club. Yeah. You heard about this? No. How's that work? So this update adds five metal challenges to every single car in the game. So for example, if I'm in if I'm in my like my nineteen eighties uh Ferrari, it'll be like five challenges, like do two burnouts or like get past the speed check on a dam at hundred and seventy miles per hour or it'll be one if I'm in my Ford focus or whatever, go past this one 
70 but while drifting so there'll be all these little challenges and then there'll be like meta challenges on top of that like get every get like 10 challenges in forwards get 10 challenges in like hatchbacks or something so it just you know gives you a little bit one more thing to do while you're driving around one more thing to think about one more thing to try to get over your friends and it is the 1000 club i like it unique challenges yep. for every car Oh, five. I think five metal challenges. So yeah, just been doing a bit of that. All right, what's your, uh, what's your about, car, man? What What do you like to drive in that? I don't even. I just get new cars all the time. Oh, really? Oh. I don't know. Right, like right now, I'm driving some Bugatti, just because it goes like 200, but it's hard to control on the road because it goes 200. So that's what I'm doing. Now that's the game where you get to beat a helicopter, right? Yeah, you you yeah. take it out back and you. Take some bats to its knees. No, I meant in a race. Oh, yeah. That's this one, right? All right. <laughs> Forget it. Um, I've just been continuing on with World of Warcraft and Dark Souls. I level is now 506 in World of Warcraft, if you're playing along at home. And Dark Souls, I have beaten the thing that made me put the game down. Last night, I finished and completed, while having a fever, the Gaping Dragon. And all it took was um, way over-leveling my armor and my stats and my weapon and learning how to play. And so, becoming not scared of cursed and getting an anti-curse ring and all this other stuff. Here is the fun thing about this week. Me and Chris are sick with the same thing. And we are nowhere near each other. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't understand it. We have like the same virus and we're thousands of miles apart. Oh, it's a love connection. <laughs> it seems... <laughs> yeah. Psychic sickness. <laughs> so my uh, my tutoring from Epic Name Bro and Kazi... My, I can't remember how to pronounce his name. And pretty much all the YouTube people who play Dark Souls and people actually watch has been successful. And I'm having fun playing along and learning strategies and, and developing them. <laughs> I'm now so level 50, though, so I may be um, slightly overpowered... <laughs> But that's okay, because I did it myself. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, no, that's it. Yeah. Who wants to hear about Dark Souls at this point? Except me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into feedback, people. Feedback. First letters from Shoyab says, if you could take one game which currently only appears on the consoles and move it to a handheld, what would it be? Mine would be Demon Souls. I would love this to be ported to Vita and personally think it would be even better as a handheld experience than on the PS3. Um, he also thinks that uh, Gravity Rush would be really good on the console. What do you guys think? What would you port to portable? A main series Final Fantasy. I want... This is not, I don't know. This will never happen. But I want like a... From Mission 3 and 4 on an iPad. Yeah? It's all tapping anyway. I mean, just when you think about what you really do with it, you don't need the controller. Hmm. Actually, I would like to think about any turn-based strategy game that was on consoles. I want it on an iPad. I think I'd take Tales of Vesperia or Tales of Symphonia. I want that on Vita. On Vita, yeah. Yep. Yeah, awesome. I, I, you know, they actually have Tales games for Vita, don't they? Yeah, I know, but they're not they coming out here. Out, no, yeah. How about they just bring some of those out? Let's start with yeah, that. I'll pick up with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would I do? 
Oh, man. I'm going to Chicago, so I kind of would like D- uh, Dark Souls on my Vita. But, hmm. Master Chief in the chat room points out, yeah, let's take the obscenely hard game and put it on the expensive, easy-to-throw handheld. Um, of course, Dark Souls <laughs> Sounds wouldn't work. like a good idea to me. <laughs> yeah, Dark Souls wouldn't work, though, because it needs two shoulder buttons, and you would not want to have to rely on the back touchpad for your second shoulder button simulation. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. See, that's why I say just... I think very specifically when I'm thinking about like iPad games, like uh, XCOM makes a lot of sense XCOM. for iOS. Oh, XCOM could be on anything, couldn't it? Yeah, put that I mean, on it's every portable. iPhone and, yeah. and iPad. Put it on Vita too. Come on. Yeah, what? Uh, I, 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 you know what I think it is? I think it's just that kind of strategy game mentality where these guys are like, you know what? Wouldn't it be nice to sit on the couch and play some XCOM? And they say, yeah, you're Let's right. Do it. Okay, yeah. Put on put on iPad and like um, Kindle Fire and Google whatever Nexus. That'd be cool. Vita, 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 Vita. Yeah, Vita's getting a lot of games, though. I mean, I think of one game that's perfect for it. It's like Binding of Isaac is coming to Vita pretty soon. Oh, nice. It has like a GBA-style remake, like a D-make. I'm just thinking, oh, uh, fuck. It seems like everything that we would Ooh. really, really want, I think, has been there already. Or at least a version of well, it. Well, there's no right? Vita version of Valkyria Chronicles. But there was still a handheld version. Yeah, there was, yeah. There's two, right? Yep. Yeah. Except the second there's, one sort of. There's three, I thought, and thing. we're not getting the third one, right? No, no, no. We're not, the, we're not getting the, the third one, but we have got the third one's art back in English. Yeah. The the second one sort of stripped oh. out everything that was fun about the first one, and then they went back and fixed it all in the third one, except at that point, no one was interested in it anymore. Oh, so wait, was it still set like in a high school with like drama, high school drama kind of thing? No, it was set at the mm-hmm. s- no. same time as the first yeah. game. Okay, so it's just like another military unit then. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Because it seemed kind of weird. Because like, hey, Persona's pretty hot. Uh, what if you put Valkyrie Chronicles in a military academy for young adults? Um, I was just gonna say, uh, Valkyrie Chronicles Three. The I believe the uh, regiment you follow in Valkyrie Chronicles Three is a is a like some sort of penal regiment. Yeah, it's uh, the nameless. That could be more interesting. I always like those like kind of movies like The Dirty Dozen, where you take a bunch of criminals who who you have to have no real reason to fight with you, except like if you don't, we'll execute you, or you'll get your freedom if you do this job. You know, they're a lot more interesting characters than you know the high school nerd or the jock or the flirty girl or whatever. A lot more interesting archetypes. So. <sighs> I remember yeah. when I used to wish for a lot of the games I was playing to be unportable before we had like good portable systems. So this was back when I was playing Final Fantasy VI on the Super Nintendo. But now it's like I look around and like I have all those games that I wanted then. I now have them portably and I'm not and playing play them. them. Well, yeah, mostly because it's, you know, 10 years later and things have moved on. Um, or is it 15, 20 years? I don't know how long. Well, another thing is I think a lot of these things aren't really built with sort of like the kind of... It's weird though because... This handheld handheld games are this kind of weird dichotomy, weird dichotomy where people want them to be sort of. I think, well, people like Mac, or like and a lot of other people just want to play the play a handheld game on their couch, and they want it to be like this real experience, just like on the PS3 right. or Xbox 360. But then there's also this the other group of people who play this game on the bus, or they play it on the train to, on the commute to work, or like little bits and chunks at work. Or at lunch, right? So you only have maybe an hour, 30 minutes, 15 minutes. So where? how do you design the game? Do you design it for the, in the short bursts, short missions? Or do you design like, well, this is Uncharted, sit through this cutscene? 
Well, um, I would. My problem with that is a lot of the games that are coming out that are being designed for the short bursts are not being designed in a way that's fun. Like they're not as good of experiences. So I'm thinking maybe they should abandon that because it's not working out well. And we've got a, a definitively inferior Uncharted experience on the handheld. We have um, Assassin's Creed on the handheld, not as good as yeah. But these are all. Know. I think the problem is these are all built by B teams. Oh, like it's not built by the main like Sony. Who made the Uncharted thing? It's the same people who made like Resistance Retribution, like the Resistance kind of game. So, I think I'm not, don't don't quote me on that one. But it's not you know it's not being made it by the main guys who made Uncharted. Right. I don't know, but I see what you mean because like uh, they kind of neutered Assassin's Creed, right? Yeah. Like I, it just seems like they should do. I was, I was thinking Sony Bend and Shredder was made by Sony Bend. Yeah, Sony Bend makes okay handheld games. They've never been great. I see what you're saying, though. Some games just lend themselves to it better. But would you really want to play Final Fantasy X on a, on a Vita? Appear, people really do, apparently. I'm actually looking forward to playing Ten on the Vita. I didn't finish it. Um, I'm not, because it's going to be a double purchase on the Vita and a single purchase on the console, so... I, I guess it just really console. depends what kind of gamer you are. I mean, maybe as long as you can suspend any time, it does. It kind of makes the invalidates the my concern. Yeah, I can think this is something video? that we're gonna have a disagreement on. <laughs> I actually yep. just read. I actually just realized that one of the things I'd played at some point in the last two weeks was the international version of te- uh, Final Fantasy X too. Are they were actually porting that one for the HD remake. Have they made any comments about that? Sorry. Yeah, 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 it's the international version. Yeah, yeah, the one that includes the additional, like the additional content. And I, stuff. I believe we've con- have that confirmed. Okay, um, I want to say so, but I guess we should check. Yeah, uh, you can pause the Vita anytime, right? Yes. Suspend it, no problem. Yes. Okay. Well, then that, that sort of eliminates any of the problems, right? You can just even if something happens, just pause it until you can get back to it. Um. Yes. Officially told by Square Enix, the HD remaster will be based on the international versions. However, Square Enix is not ensuring... Oh, come on. Is not ensuring... Not ensuring... Okay, what... Where did this go? The inclusion of Eternal Calm, the FFX 10-2 prologue, and FFX 10-2 last mission. Yeah, that's what I was interested in. So the prologue I have... Because I have the disc that it's on that was in the magazine. Um, you're not missing much with that. And no. then last mission, I don't know anything about. Last mission is pretty much just one massive optional dungeon as an addition to uh, as an addition to ten two that goes into the storyline about three months after the end of ten two. Oh, now hold on, like if you- hold on, hold on. This story, if I scroll up, it sounds like they might sell those as la- as DLC. Yeah, I, I heard that as well. Hmm. Including the international editions might be DLC. Well, I mean, well, because the funny thing is, is Final Fantasy X, the international version of that was the one that was eventually released in PAL territories. Oh, so you've already gotten it. Well, I I have it for the PS2, yeah. yeah. So the international version is not what the U.S. got, right? Yeah, the international version, as far as I know, was not released originally in in U.S. territories. You basically, but all no. you, all, as this far was, as this was the start of the international version thing, where the game would come out in Japan, 
and then it would come out in North America. Then they would bring it back to Japan and keep all of the English in it and add some new function to the combat system and subtitle well, in Japanese. That's why it's international, because it has the English stuff. Okay. Yes. Not because it's the version released internationally. <laughs> yeah. No. I see now. Yeah, because okay. um, Final, Final Fantasy X-2, the international last mission version on PS2, is English voices with uh, Japanese subtitles and Japanese menus. Same is true, is is technically true also for stuff like Kingdom Hearts Final Mix, which are all in, uh, it, which all have English cutscenes, but Japanese subtitles. Hey, we're finally getting that, though. Yes. 1.5. Because I need to I've, play through Kingdom Hearts a third time. I have two handheld questions, if someone can answer them. Yeah. Okay, number one is... Okay, Alex, I know you bought a DS with the game pre... When you buy, a, like, a special version of a DS of a DS that comes with the game oh, yeah. included, is that game... The game is pre-installed, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, what happens if you delete it? Can you re-download it? You can re-download it. Okay. Because I, I, I transferred all my stuff from my normal 3DS to the 3DS XL, which automatically sort of deletes everything that's already on the 3DS XL. Mm-hmm. But then I could just go to the eShop and download it immediately afterwards so alright that's good and number two what about a long 100 hour game like Persona 4 Golden did that really did it lend itself well to the I mean I mean did it lend itself well to the portable experience that, yeah. that one did yeah even like say I'm a train gamer <laughs> <laughs> yeah I yeah. think so the thing with Persona 4 is quite easy to break up into small sections anyway mm-hmm so I mean, you can sort of just go through, a, or you can sort of go through a floor in the dungeon, and then sort of just suspend it, or just do a couple of days on the plot. So that that one works really well for it. So anyway. that's probably like the best balance of that. Like, don't don't purposely break it down like uh, Assassin's Creed Liberation, or uh, but yeah. if your game is naturally designed for that, you don't have to worry about it. Or maybe, yeah. maybe just yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, totally. Cool, cool. All right. Well, let's move on to our next question here. Before you guys, uh, between you guys taking a week off for Midwest Gaming Classic and Quinn missing last week's episode due to the late recording time, I've had some RPG cast withdrawal lately. Just wanted to say again how much I look forward to hearing you guys every week, even when Manny refuses to participate because he is still eating his breakfast. I haven't had breakfast yet. Aww. Well, thank you for the kind words, Brennan. Uh, he says, question one, can you tell me more about Project X-Zone, or is it Project Cross-Zone? I know you said it was a strategy RPG crossover, but I still don't know much about it, and it's fixing to come out. What is the gameplay like? Now, he's not talking it? about the Monolith Soft game, right? No. Okay. That's um, Project X. This is Project X-Zone. Let's see. Uh, although, uh, wasn't Project X-Zone developed by Monolith Soft? <laughs> No. I think it was. Oh yeah, yeah. Ben yeah. Preston. Oh yeah. Oh, never yeah. Mind. Project X Zone is Project X Zone is basically a kind of pseudo sequel to both uh, Namco X, Capcom, and then uh, oh god, here we go, Super Robot Wars, OG Saga, Endless Frontier. Ha. Wait, what? How would it? It's related to Super Robot. <gasps> yes. You guys, breaking news. Yeah. Really quickly. Okay. In 60 seconds, yep. the second and final batch of BlizzCon tickets will go on sale. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Which means hey, if you aren't you know, online already, it's too late. <laughs> me and Chris were talking about this the other day, and I'm like, hey, Chris, you know what I'm looking forward to oh, the most about BlizzCon? Go. He says, what? I'm like, we get to cuddle on the couch together and watch it on the TV. <laughs> 
Did that embarrass poor Chris? Yes, it did. Um, <laughs> I don't know why she brought that up. Um, because <laughs> um, it's hard. Um, I just thought that was interesting because it was like on my Twitter feed. Sixty seconds. Are you ready? I'm gonna. Let's do this. Where is it? Where do you go to for tickets? Oh, for the love of God. <laughs> on sale Saturday. Checkout. Currently in queue. Position 12,733. <laughs> Estimated time 42 minutes. <laughs> Too slow, man. 100% of stock left. How many tickets are there? Wait, wait. I'm now 12,685. <laughs> Being, being in the queue does not guarantee that you will have the opportunity to purchase an item. Once you have reached the front of the line, you'll be sent to checkout, at which point you have 15 minutes to finish your transaction. All right, so I'll keep you guys posted as this goes on. They're down to 99% of stock. Um, all right. <laughs> Project X Zone. So tell us about Project X Zone. Have anyone See, played it or its have, prequels, rather? I've played its demo okay. a while back. So tell us. Okay, what do you want to know about it? Like, what the hell is it? How does it play? Is okay, it a strategy RPG? Is it like tactics? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a strategy RPG similar to you know Final Fantasy Tactics and all that kind of thing. It's not quite like um, the games it was based on, which were... Uh, I mean, because um, Endless Frontier was more of a kind of just traditional RPG with, with random encounters as you moved around the maps and stuff. And yeah, there's uh, you can read Gaijin's review because... Um, but yeah, um, basically, you move around a map in a kind of tactics fashion. Oh, look at that. When you in- That's what? funny. I didn't know we had a review up. So I'm going to yeah, tell this do. guy, dude, we've got a review up. Go read it. Yeah, go Try read it. it. Now but- finish telling us. Yeah. Okay, so basically, the, 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 like, the map screen works as a kind of tactics battle. I think the game is like fairly linear outside of that. Um, and every time you encounter an enemy on the battle, it switches to a, um, a 2D battlescape where all you really need to do is to basically uh, each um pair of units like each character is actually uh, like a pair that fights together um and you basically just have to combo their abilities together in order to produce long combos it's actually probably got more in common with a fighting game than an rpg in that respect but that is basically how endless frontier worked as well uh, but then you can also throw in um, like assist characters and stuff like that. So you can eventually have like sort of five people on the screen at once beating the crap out of something. But yeah, okay. Uh, that's basically how it that's works. That's it. That works. Okay, neat. And for more details, read our review, which you can find on rpgamer.com. It's uh, I could read the URL, but that's probably not the thing I should do. That that'll take a while. Yeah, it'll take a while. <laughs> <laughs> need a tiny url or something all right so my wife and i and first of all now i'm now 12,390th in queue all right my wife and i were in target and she watched me demo both the playstation vita and nintendo 3ds seeing my childlike glee she said we could afford to buy one of them later this year considering i play almost exclusively rpgs which do you think will be the better console for rpgs at present i'm leaning towards a 3ds 3ds right 3ds it's yeah, the now problem isn't that the Vita doesn't have RPGs; it just has less. Mm. My question is: Does he have a PSP already? Because if, if he, he doesn't, yeah. then a Vita becomes super viable. Yeah, because he could play things like Jean d'Arc and stuff on it. Um, 
And, and those uh, games are cheap right yeah. now. There's a lot of like good PSP RPGs that you may not have played. And I mean, there's still PSP games coming out. Yeah. So, but let's assume that he has a PSP and he's only caring about new games here. Definitely a 3DS. Ah, Persona 4 is on Vita, though. You're not getting yeah, the but... adult games on the 3DS. Yeah, wait, uh, you're getting SMT4. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. And Fire Emblem. But d- we didn't like SMT3. Why are we going to like SMT4? I loved SMT3. Oh, you did? Okay. It's well, one of my favorite like top 10 games of all time. Chris? I don't know. I was listening to Seventh complain about it. Did you? Well, seventh complains about everything. Okay. <laughs> seventh complains about everything. I don't know. It. I hated the music in it. Oh my! I should stab you. You should. No, not really. You're this a nice is the guy. guy who owns like eighteen concert albums for Persona Three and Four. I know. I like those games' music. It's sad because it's the same guy, but did different music or something like that. Yeah. I enjoyed them. I. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed SMT Three. Besides, SMT Four is going in a very different direction. There's a new trailer out about it this week. Um, yeah, check out the trailer. See what you think. I, I think... Hmm. You get Etrian Odyssey on the 3DS, and I'm loving that. So You've also got Devil Survivor Soul Hackers now as well. Wait, Soul Hackers and isn't is DS? 3DS. Yeah, yeah huh. Soul Hackers is 3DS. I've got that right here. Yeah. I thought that was Vita for some reason. Oh, no. Um, you. Yeah, wait, that's not an th- RPG. Um, but you don't get golf on the 3DS. Oh, wait, there'll be Mario Golf, won't there? Or is that yeah. for yeah. you? Or is that 3DS? Uh, that's 3DS, I think. 3DS? Ooh, okay. So I guess each system has a good golf game. Guys, I just broke 12,000. I'm 11,963 in line. Estimated time, 39 minutes, 80% of stock left. Yeah, if you want tickets, you get that them. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> I think they sell like 20,000. Yeah, I don't think I'm getting tickets. <laughs> That's okay, because if I was actually going to go, I'd try and get a press pass or something. Uh, let's see. I died laughing at the Incredible Zoltan's review. Uh, no, it's Legendary Zoltan, not Incredible Zoltan. He spelled it Incredible Zoltan. It's Legendary Zoltan, but that's okay. Uh, review of Tales of Asperia for PS3. I know you guys said he has been on the podcast before, but is there a page on the Gamer website where his reviews are archived? Um, there is not. However, he did a wonderful job of p- taking all those old stuff he did for us and put it on his YouTube account. So if you go to youtube.com slash user slash legendary Zoltan, Z-O-L-T-A-N, or just search for legendary Zoltan, or search for your RPG playing ass uh, on YouTube, it'll bring you to his channel and you can watch um, 16 episodes of stuff that were on older podcasts. So he's got them all up there on YouTube. Okay. All right. That's our feedback for the week. If you'd like to submit feedback for the show, you can do so by emailing us at podcast.rpgamer.com. Um, or you can post a message on our message board threads, which is over on board at rpgamer.com. Latest update section has the show threads in it. And what else we got? Uh, oh, a phone number, 608-729-4098. And you can leave a voicemail for the show. And we can play it right here. Um, actually, do I have a voicemail? No, I don't. Okay. I forgot to check. Uh, 11,697th in line. Let's go to the news! Man, I really need bumper music. All right, Dragon's Crown! Man, a lot of fun stuff happened with Dragon's Crown this week. Uh, but first off, they have a release date now, and it'll be out on August 6th in on the Vita and PS3 in North America. Who's going to pick up this one? And it's misogynistic overtones. No. No. <laughs> But you have, haven't you seen the gif with the sorceress? And uh, it looks so terrible. Um, I don't know. I'm not really interested in this game. Um, 
And then there was a whole kerfuffle about the art style and Kotaku and the artist and stuff this week. Um, anybody care about that? No. Jason Schreier no. gets himself to lots of trouble. He got into trouble, yeah. No, I, just, I mean, it just seems like a lot of this stuff happens to him yeah. in particular. <laughs> Somebody pointed out an article on Kotaku East after that, which was talking about a game that had like really bad boob artwork and didn't seem to have any issues with it at all. Um, but those are technically different sites and writers and cultures, Kotaku versus Kotaku East. That's funny. Um, yeah. So there, is, there is a reason why most of us don't like Kotaku. <laughs> it's a blog, and, you know, blogs, they're free to worry about whatever they want to write about. And he wrote about the art. The artist wrote a reply on his Facebook, tried to make a joke using some art he had laying around. It went over like a ton of bricks, and then he had to write an apology letter, which Kotaku republished. Um, yeah, weird. Uh, let's see. Oh, Ben Kuchera, too? Chat room says Kuchera also complained about the art. I don't mind complaining about the art, because I think it's kind of gross art to begin with, but I just don't like the art. And I think it's weird that we find some need to rely on large boobs in all our video games, but whatever. Um... You've been to E3. Yeah. You've seen how developers and publishers market to that audience. Yeah, it's it it embarrasses me actually. Video game <laughs> business is the game is a booby business. <sighs> it's like yeah, I just get this feeling walking around like this is what people think I like. Well, like, yeah, Chris, B and B, boobs and bullets. But it isn't. <laughs> That's the sad part. Yeah, like, the problem is, tell is them that. that. <laughs> The problem is, is that the player base has changed, and we know it has because they do surveys every year for things like the average age and what they're spending their money on and what systems they're buying. And even despite having all of that information at their fingertips, they're still making B and B games. Well, they must be working, right? Are they, well, they getting sell. sales? I mean, yeah. There, there is always going to be an eighteen to twenty-five year old horny boy bracket. Yeah. Which is funny because they have less money than the rest of us. No, no, they don't. Really? Well, they may have less money, but they're more inclined to spend it. Because mm. they don't have families. Right. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, Manny. Dead Island Riptide is out. Have you been enjoying that this week? <laughs> I stand by what I say. The resort area of, of Dead Island was a decent, was fun. If yep. it would have ended after that, it would have been a, like a, a solid bead game. But it kept on going and getting worse progressively. But and now this you can is get even more. <laughs> it seems like this takes the worst parts. Like they didn't, they learned nothing. It seems like they didn't understand at all what people liked, if they liked it at all, of the first game. And instead of having like more of the resort area, they give you more of the other like two thirds of the game. Hmm. Now, that's interesting, because your opinion kind of echoes what Giant Bomb says. Yet I go over um, to CAGCast and listen, and they're like, no, the, oh, Dead Island was a fun game. This is more of that. If you liked it, you'll like more of this. And so I, I, don't I know. would say <laughs> discussion that we've actually like very different things than I do. Oh, I'm, hold on, two people. Um, go ahead, so Nick. this is a discussion that's been having on the forums, Anna says, and Manny, what'd you say? Oh, you're saying those people have very different tastes than I do. Like okay. I said, it was interesting. See, the thing is, it was just okay at the resort. Uh. It was just, it was just okay. It was open. You had a truck. You can drive around. There was some interesting stuff going on. The juxtaposition was interesting. It was bright. It was colorful. But then, like that formula of what you're doing, only lasts is like is only like by the end of the resort. I'm like, yeah, okay, I've had enough of this experience. 
I felt that way by the end of that first, and that was like the first chapter, and it went on for like another ten hours in progressively worse areas and worse situations. So, so the the discussion we've been having on the forums is, um, it is getting a lot of lukewarm reception from the critics, mm-hmm. who basically say it's more of the same. I think lukewarm. And is nice. huh? <laughs> I think lukewarm is being nice. No, because I mean, some people are really ambivalent about it. And yeah. some people like it. I mean, there's nobody who is like going out of their way going, this is terrible and it sucks and blah, blah, blah. I mean, the worst thing that people are saying is it's more of the same. More of the same situations are always right. hard. Right. And I mean, do you score the, it the same as the first game? Right. I heard that more the problem it? is that whether that is going to be a good thing or a bad thing is really going to vary from person to person. It's interesting. I mean, um, TG is, is like a huge fan of this game. And he's he's sort of TG? talking up the fact that yeah, TG Barringham. Who's that? One of the guys on the forum. Okay. Um, you know, he's been talking up a lot because he's a big fan of the game and he was like, you know, Deep Silver delivered to the fans what they asked for, which was more of the same. And, you know, they were they were upfront about the fact that, you know, this wasn't going to push any boundaries and it wasn't going to add some, you know, phenomenal new twist or anything like that. It was just going to be more of the same. So it's kind of one of those things that you have to sit down and go, did I like the original Dead Island? If yes, buy expansion. If no, stay away. I I will say interesting though, I think maybe read the Giant Bomb review from uh, Brad Shoemaker because he was one of the he was one of the only critics I remember who gave like that game like a five star Dead Island, the first Dead Island and And loved it. Not like he does not like the expansion. Not in the least. He was so disappointed. Well, because he got tired of the first game by the end of the first game. He right. was not ready for more. So that's for him, more saying. of the same was bad. I but, was tired right. of the first game and before, that's, before that's the, the thing is, is it's like, it feels like a lot of the critical reception of Riptide is, well, it's more of the same. And that's either going good or bad. And the, you know reception of the fans is it's more of the same and that seems to be okay to them. all right so those five guys should be very happy right this is, exactly this you is know. this is always a hard thing how do we handle reviews in this situation you know do you penalize it for being more of the same if people like the first one or do you you penal or do you penalize it for you know not anything new but, or fixing anything that people pointed out in the first one i don't right, know if it's just i think, I think more the of the same is, is the biggest flaw is that this is an expansion that doesn't fix anything. And right. I mean, it isn't like Dead Island is without issues. Hmm. All right. Well, <laughs> read the review text this time around is what it sounds like. And it's is RP Gamer doing review of this? Does anybody know? Yes, we are. Uh, I know. Really? Right. Who's doing Who's it? it? Sam. Next. Oh, oh poor girl. I don't anticipate. Hasn't she been through enough? Mystery dungeon, and she's going to Dead Island. I am so sorry for Sam. Hey, I thought you liked Mystery Dungeon. I liked Mystery Dungeon. She did not. Oh, okay. Did you finish that? Oh yeah. I cried. It was sad. Oh, that's right. It has sad ending. Okay. Um, Pre-order the Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing. All right. So this is coming out of Hungary. The Hungarian developer Neocore Games. They're launching a new RPG. It's for PC, called The Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing. It is a gothic noir steampunk action RPG, which I love that category name. I want more gothic noir steampunk action RPGs. Um, it stars the son of Abraham Van Helsing, who was a guy in the, you know, the original Dracula book. And let's see. It's Diablo-style, 
top-down perspective. Actually, looks like three quarters. Um, uh, yeah, let me check on that. Yeah, it looks more three quarters in top-down. And uh, fast-paced combat. And let's see, level-up mechanics, four-player co-op, and blah 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 blah. Fifteen bucks to pre-order it for fifteen fifteen bucks for the basic thing. And then there's uh, more expensive packs that. Uh, they're kind of doing it Kickstarter style where you pre-order different levels and get different goodies. So you can check that out over on their website, see if you like the videos and how it's shaping up. Um, and if you pre-order, you get into the closed beta. So they got packs for 15 25 50 100 and 1000 um, And the $1,000 pack seems like, no, they don't expect most people to do it. But if you do it, you get your portrait in the, in the wall in the boss's lair <laughs> or in the secret hunter's lair. That's great. <laughs> That's that's actually kind of funny. All right. So there there you go. This is the first I've heard of this game, so I have no idea if it's good or anything because it's not even out yet. But if you want to take a risk and pre-order, um, that's available for you. Ooh, it's pretty. Oh, I'm going to have to check this out. I have to bookmark this. Hold on. How do I bookmark on this machine? Um, no, that's, that's, that's the wrong one. Yeah, here we go. And put it on the toolbar and go. So I'm going to check that out because it's a Diablo-style game, and it looks smooth. All right, Divinity Original Sin. You guys remember we talked about this a while back. There was a Kickstarter for Divinity Original and Sin. it is successful. They succeeded. So they were going to um, expand the company and make the development of Divinity Original Sin be better. Uh, they raised 940000 which is double their goal, more than double their goal of 400000 uh, they got some stretch goals. It says they've got an extra-dimensional home base for players. Okay, there's stretch goals. You go read it on their Kickstarter. Uh, just want to let you know it funded, and it's going to come out uh, later this year on PC, apparently. I played it recently. Wait, I, what? I played it recently. How? I'm, it they were in Santa Monica, and I played it. Oh. Tell us about it. Um, It was a very brief demo. Uh, they were showing off Dragon's Commander, and uh, Dragon Commander, their strategy game, and uh, original sin, and it was still very early. Just sort of like it was a very weird demo where the guy, like the president, was sitting behind you, like I'm not going to tell you anything, just go. So then you just sort of just walked around, uh, meet another character. Wouldn't have to be anywhere near each other. Turn based came combat where like you can do stuff like rain on somebody, and then there'd be like a puddle of water formed around their feet. With then you can use a second character to shoot a lightning bolt spell, and it'll electrocute everyone in the puddle. The f- the thing that I thought was most interesting was just sort of. It's sort of this big open world until you, you know, sort of go into a dungeon. You have to be together. But when you're in this big overworld, you go anywhere you want. There was a big town. There's a sort of like this kind of weird stuff where we, I ran into some overpowered orcs, but then I ran away from them because they were going to kill me. And then those orcs came into town and continued to massacre everyone there, which was interesting. It seems like the kind of game where they just want sort of anything to be able to happen at any time. And you have to sort of deal with the consequences or... There'll be quests like maybe oh this boat's on fire I should use my rain spell to put out the fire so lots of like interactivity you're gonna have you and your co-op partner doing whatever you want at any time maybe help each other maybe don't uh, lots lots of side quests so, so they really want to make like sort of sort of just open oh even during a even during a dialogue tra- options you have like lots of options so. Say I'll run to a group of guards and be like, stop right there. And I'll start like talking to them and I'll pick from different choices. And then my co-op partner will have to decide if they want to, if they want to agree with what I'm saying or not. Like, no, 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 no. Don't talk to them. Don't negotiate. Just kill them right now. 
and you know you can sort of get into fights and arguments with your although I, I, no never mind scratch that but yeah it was interesting i played a little bit so this is like this fun. plays like a Baldur's gate game right um no no it's turn-based combat yeah like the old Baldur's Gates. Well, Baldur's Gates is real-time combat. Well, unless you paused. <laughs> yeah, but you paused, but then you let it run. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So it's all turn-based instead. All right. Yeah. But you're you're kind of clicking around and exploring a map and finding treasure and killing enemies as you progress, right? Well, I think like, like a little bit... every game ever, doesn't it? Like um, a little bit of like Oblivion top-down with a co-op partner. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of, you know, the kind of openness they're trying to go for and the kind of ways you can interact with the environment and people and sort of like how things can sort of happen that you don't expect, like the monsters can run in and kill everybody, that kind of stuff. Or how you can steal just about anything or you can combine stuff together with this like ridiculous crafting system. Mm-hmm. So it's just just think open and old school and turn-based. That's it. Report card. Is, I mean, re- book report's over. Cool. And... uh so this is a sequel, or it's, what is it? It's an old school CRPG set in the Divinity universe, which were 3D games. Um, but this will be isometric, and I guess it'll be out later this year, but... Not every Divinity game was 3D. Was it? Was not no. the first one? No. I want to say at least one of them was isometric. Hmm. Okay. I remember playing it and falling through the world. Okay. I had a really early review copy. Oh, there was Divine Divinity and Divinity 2, and then Beyond Divinity. Yeah, so there was Divine Divinity. Well, Divinity 2 was the most recent one that had 18 versions of the same game, and it was uh, was 3D, and you flew around as a dragon and stuff. Um, Yeah, there was Divine Divinity, Divinity 2, Beyond Divinity, and I feel like there's another one. hmm. Anyways. Cool. So... There you go. That funded. Lots of stretch goals. You can read more about it. They hit their million-dollar stretch goals when they took in funding from other sources as well. All right. Anna, I want you to tell us about this one. This is a contest involving Dragon Fantasy. Yay. So um, the Muteki guys made these awesome shirts for Paxis, and they say Game of Stones on them. And uh, in case the very obvious a Game of Thrones ripoff wasn't there, that's what it is. So this is um, a contest where all you have to do is enter. Hang on. Silence. Sorry, oh. I had to cough really badly. So you have to enter um, contest at with the right headline. And it's just you have to do a rock pun. That was my idea. I like it. It was literally my idea in the forums. Mac was like, what should we do for this contest? I'm like, how about rock puns? <laughs> yes. And so um, he's got also going to pass us all the rock puns. And if we find ones that we like, they're going to go in the game. So, um, yeah, if you win, you get a USPSN copy of the game and a rock monster plushie of your choice and the Game of Stones shirt. So even if you have the game already, enter the contest because you can get the swag and just give the code away to somebody. Can I enter? No. Oh. Um, there's a plushie even if you I don't have. Even if you... <laughs> do I need to get you a plushie? We only have two of them. There's three here. There's like eight variations oh, of the really? Rock Monster plushie. Oh, okay. Well, never mind then. Because there's both Mr. Rock Monsters and Mrs. Rock Monsters, and most of them come in both. Uh, so do they have all the... Variations. Huh? Then. So they have all the variations from the game, then. Or? Yeah. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> and there are more um, rock monsters coming in book two. <laughs> wow. In fact, um, I don't know if you've seen any of the footage for um, book two, Alex, but at one point you engage in a big um, sea battle. And okay. <laughs> the pirates of this particular ship um, have a difficult time balancing their ledgers and didn't actually buy any ammo. But they have a rock monster infect- uh, infestation. So you go down into the bottom of the ship and beat up a rock monster and bring it back upstairs and fire it into the cannon. Okay, I want that. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. As people point no, out, obvious. the rock monster is their version of the slime. Are there any yeah. rock lobsters? Um, <laughs> I don't think so. I thought. <sighs> I think that would be just a little too obvious. Um, but we did actually get slammed on Twitter because um, Mrs. Rock Monster is basically a parody of the 1950s wife. And all of sort of, we look back at that culture and be like, oh my gosh, how did we ever treat women that way, right? But I mean, she'll say things like, her attacks are things like Mrs. Rockmonster asks if she looks fat. And she's got like the really brilliant red lipstick and a necklace of pearls. I mean, she's June Cleaver. So, but we got totally slammed for that and called uh, misogynist on Twitter. On terms of it's a feminist frequency. And Nurse Kizzy needs to hear about this. Who right. needs to hear about this? Anna Sarkeesian? The Anita lady Sarkeesian? who made that, bo- that movie that I forgot we watched, her name. The YouTube The thing. joke didn't work. Oh, right. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm currently 8,641 in line. 15% of stock left. Probably not happening, guys. Wow. Yeah. I thought you totally would have been made it. Yeah, I don't think they actually released 20,000 tickets. Um, huh. All right. Well, let's see. If you've yet to purchase... Oh, so who do people... They email contest at rpgamer.com. Yeah, name, just there. Go to the address. go to RP Gamer and I'm read. telling them right here. They, I've got they're downloaded the show. They get all the info. And they get uh. name, complete mailing address, North America only, preferred contact email address, and your t-shirt size, t-shirt size, small, medium, large, extra large, and a one-line pun about rocks, rock monsters, or anything rock-related, um, and send it to contest at rpgamer.com with DF rocks as the subject line. If you don't Thank have that as the subject line, you lose. DF rocks. Oh, this headline's amazing. I just just showed up on my Twitter feed. Burglar high on bath salts, breaks into family's home, puts up Christmas decorations. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh. Okay. Oh, wow. It's better than eating faces. And right. sending odd body parts to Yeah, or whatever. Government employees. No, is that what yeah. people on bath salts do? Um, that was the... some, some guy in um, like Ontario was high on basalt and yeah mm. wow alright so those who are not into oh, hold, hold, hold on hold on hold on Alex what do you say Sorry. should you point out the closing time of that contest what what did I Monday oh yes 8am yeah Monday Eastern. April 29th at 8am Eastern Standard Time so if you live um, like well you have to be in North America to be eligible anyway so yeah Eastern Standard Time Cool. Uh, currently 8,282 in line, 9% left. So we heard last week that Earthbound's coming out to the Virtual Console, and this, of course, made everybody like, hey, maybe they'll do Mother 3, maybe they'll do Mother 3. 
Um, so the people who actually did the fan translation of Mother 3 said, hey, Nintendo, if you want, you can use our script for free. Because <laughs> this will go anywhere. And Nintendo said, tra-la-lol. <laughs> they didn't say anything, and they won't say anything. I doubt they can legally figure out how they could. Um, oh, wow. The guy who translated this is a professional translator for Funimation. That's funny. Um, a lot of people that do fans' translations have professional jobs in the translating field. Interesting. That's cool. All right, well, here's something that we actually could enjoy. The Legend of Zelda documentary wants to... Okay, I shouldn't read the headline. There's a documentary about Legend of Zelda and its cultural influences. It's called It's Too Dangerous to Go Alone, the movie. <sighs> and it's trying to... Oh, what's, what's wrong? No, nothing. It just sounds insufferable. It's, uh, it's on Kickstarter, of course. Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> the, the indie hipster cred is going through the roof. <laughs> if they want 50 grand, they're at 7,000. Um, you can find it on Kickstarter. It's called It's Dangerous to Go Alone, the movie. It's about, let's see, from their Kickstarter page. This is a documentary about the ubiquity and cultural influence of the Legend of Zelda game franchise and its continuing inspiration. So if you want to see a bunch of stuff about Zelda in our culture, um, fund this. And let's see. Let's... I always love to see the crazy reward level. If you give $5,000, you'll get uh, all the perks from above. Your credit becomes executive producer, and they will also receive travel and accommodations to the exclusive cast and crew premiere of the film and an invitation to any and all premiere festivities. Please contact for details before pledging so we can assure we can accommodate the reward. Because <laughs> if you live in Australia... <laughs> Who's making worse. this? That's what I really want to know. Oh, um, Joe Granado. What has he done before? I don't know. Because we... uh, I say something like this can hold be on, done hold on. Well. Here we go, here we go. After growing yeah. up in upstate New York, I spent 13 years in Baltimore producing music, building a production company from the ground up, and piloting the video game development curriculum in the Baltimore City school system. Recently, I've moved to Florida and continue these creative pursuits while on bath sots. No. He, he oh, so what has he done, really? Um, I mean... I don't know, there's a trailer. Uh, I don't know. Like, I think something like this can be done well. Like, uh... Did you know, like, the uh, Street Fighter 25th anniversary, the the team at Area 5 who did the co-op show yeah. and uh, formerly the one-up show, they did a documentary for Capcom that they were commissioned to do about 25 years of Street Fighter in the – similar to this, but with Street Fighter instead. And I think they did a pretty solid job. They they kept the pretension – it was still kind of hipstery, San Francisco pretentious, but, like, they kept it down to, like, a minimum, mm-hmm. I think. But it was still pretty interesting. It's like they went to a guy who who collect, in Japan who collects everything Capcom, and so he just laid out his collection of Street Fighter stuff, every cop – you know, every version of every game, all the figures, all the stuff, and just talked to him about why – you know, this stuff, this thing's so important. And they went, then they went to, like, arcades and Evo stuff, and they sort of captured that competitive spirit. You know, it's like a really solid documentary from the co-op people. I mean, the Area 5 people. Sure. It could be interesting. I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't have a, I don't have that collector's edition, so I don't have that documentary. But uh, It's probably online or something. Yeah. But, you know, those – but, like, but then again, these guys have, like, years of experience doing this, and they were funded by Capcom to do it, and they flew around the world. And, you know, you're not trying to say. And they had, like, a production team of, like, like five or six people, and then they edited it on these big machines all day long, which is much, you know – very different thing from say doing a Kickstarter for it. So, oh. we'll see. Okay, so I'm watching the trailer for this thing, and there's a YouTube series called Link to the Future, which is a crossover between Legend of Zelda and Back to the Future. I have to go watch that series now. I gotta book that for later. Okay. 
Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, so I don't know. I, Manny, you don't know if this will be pretentious or not yet, right? So we'll see. I don't, I don't know if it'll be good, period. Pretentious or not for good. We'll see. Good point. Ooh. Me. I, I don't know. Just the idea just sounds insufferable to me sometimes. I just, I don't know. I'm. You would think me being so ingrained, ingrained in the in video game industry and in like sort of video game culture that I would be the kind of person who wants all that stuff. But video game cakes, video game tattoos, all of that stuff, just. Ugh. But this hey. <laughs> oh my bad. Present company excluded. <laughs> Damn, Skippy. All right, so. Here's a story that I thought was weird. I found this on Polygon. And, oh, actually, let's go to the Eurogamer story. Maybe it's better there. Um, it's called Lords of the Fallen. It's the first I've heard about this game. And oh, yeah, this one. It doesn't really explain the game at all other than say it's a challenging RPG and it's a next-gen action RPG. And there's, like, a couple of art screenshots. And I just, like, it felt like one of these stories that was written just because they received a press release. I don't get it. Yeah. I think the main thing about this is basically Thomas Gopp. <laughs> Who? Uh, I think he's the produ- he's the executive producer of the game, but he sort of is heavily involved in the Witcher games. Oh, okay. He was once the face of the Witcher one and two. Um, he's a producer. Okay. So okay. Oh Can yes, I-, I remember this guy. He he gave me a presentation for the Witcher when, before the three sixty version came out. Mm-hmm. Charming guy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Nice guy. Well then, so let's see, Uh, challenging RPG, so uh, I would say Dark Souls, I would say Borderlands in terms of the experience of developing your character, so we'll figure that out. Um, Is there a team, Alex, we know, is there a whole team in Poland too? Uh, I'm not sure actually. It says CI Games, the company behind Sniper Ghost Warrior is in charge. Um, Most of the work is being done by experienced German studio Deck 13. Okay. So I don't know what that means. I think CI Games are Polish. I don't know. Well, let me see. It could be interesting. This could be their breakout game, but from what I remember, people did not like Sniper Ghost Warrior very much, right? Yeah. So I don't know what's gonna how, how this is gonna play. So I guess I'll have border, Borderlands style skill trees and stuff. So it's a game. It's coming out next year. Uh, I'm sorry that it just doesn't. Uh, I hate I hate when people introduce games via interviews because they don't tell you much about what's actually going on. All right. Yeah, um, we've got one, concept, one piece of concept out with a big hand in it. Oh, my card is empty. I failed. BlizzCon tickets are sold out. Wow. Yeah. Doug got his and ticket. You, and you went um, on like... I went on... Literally after, like a minute afterwards. Uh, Two minutes in, you logged in. I think I went in... I was in before they started selling, um, I think. Um, wow. But I, I assume people were able to queue up before the store went live, right? Or were I would they queuing not. up right then? I, I think you could queue up moment, earlier. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's it. Well, I don't know then. It's because a, if no, so, it's then... No, it's fair. You're only... As soon as you can buy them, that's when you, the queue starts. Really? So I like... I went right... You told me it was 60 seconds to go. I went right then, and I was 12,000. then. <laughs> I had to read it, and then I had to tell it, read it to you, and then you had to open the webpage. So that was like two to three minutes in. Sold out. Well, is that 100% hey, it when I got there? WWDC wow. sold out in two minutes. You're right. Hmm. Well, here's something that won't sell out. The Lord of the Rings Online's getting an expansion, Helm's Deep. Um, I'm sorry, that's not fair. It's a free-to-play game. But uh, if you get the expansion, well, I guess you get the expansion because it's free-to-play. Uh, it's going to go, 
you get to go do the Helm's Deep stuff from the from you know the books and all that. Uh, you get ten more levels on the player cap, and you get to um, explore the Westum, Westum net of Rohan and rally each of the five ridings, and you get to go to Edoras and meet Eowyn and Aylmer and all that stuff. So that's uh, more info on Turbine's website for Lord of the Rings Online. It's coming this fall from the new expansion if you're still playing it. Uh, Warhammer Online. There's a game that's doing great, right? Well, the the lead developer has stepped down and is to explore new growth and career possibilities. Does anyone still care about Warhammer Online? I'm not trying to be mean. I I mean I honestly forgot that was an MMO. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like I know that sounds like a, like I'm trying to be facetious. I seriously forgot that was an MMO. Wow. I haven't I haven't heard anyone talk about that in years. Everyone that I know that was working on it has left at this point. Wow. Huh. Cool thing. Alright. Because you know, the funny thing is Lord of the Rings I still hear about all the time. I still hear about Star Trek online. I still hear about, you know, uh the old Republic. I hear about a lot of free to play MMOs, but the Warhammer is just not something people talk about. Hmm. How sad. Yes. All right, um, this might continue to make you sad. Zynga says, I think we're excited about the RPG genres within mid-core, and you'll see some games coming out within that from us this year. So apparently oh, I can't wait. targeting RPGs. Um, first off, Anna, what is the mid-core? Do you know it's, what that means? It's a gross marketing I don't know. What's the mid-core? Like okay, what, what, Manny? Oh, it's a gross marketing term that someone like Zynga would happily use in a okay. press release. <laughs> Alright, uh, let's see. They're not casual gamers. They're not hardcore gamers. I presume gamers. it's supposed They're to be the, the middle ground between hardcore and casual. Apparently they can't get behind the dedicated... Ah. Our approach oh. is definitely learning from the success that we see with these mechanics in Asia, referring, I guess, to free-to-play RPG mechanics, and to find what formula really can catch on with a much more casual audience in the West. Hmm. Wow. So, there you go. Uh, earlier this month, uh, Zynga announced its action RPG Battlestone was headed to Android and iOS. Uh, so I don't know. I can imagine is. you've reached level one. Would you like to reach level two? Pay five dollars now. Hmm. Is Battlestone any good? I don't know. Would you like potions? Only fifty cents per. Uh, you're right. I don't want to play a free-to-play action RPG, do I? No. Yeah. Well, you don't want to play a free-to-play RPG from Zynga. Yeah. No, That's right. the problem. Yeah. All right. So if you're bored and you got your phone or you're at your computer and you're like, I really wish I could be on my Wii U right now. <laughs> okay. So nobody would say that. But I really wish I could see that cool artwork because I don't own a Wii U and that sounds fun. I like the idea of that Miiverse stuff. Well, now you can get to it. You go to Miiverse. That's M-I-I-V-E-R-S-E dot Nintendo dot com. And you can access the Miiverse, and they will show you all the popular posts. Um, and then you can log in and stuff, too. Um, and you can get it on your PC and mobile devices. Right Fun now. fact. Um, you can view the site on your Vita and not on your 3DS. Ouch. Burn. Awesome. So now you can hang out in your echo chamber, even when you're away from your echo chamber. <laughs> I don't know. The reason why I'm being a little harsh on the Wii U is because of your next story, Chris. Hold on, I'm looking at the Kirby artwork. It's all awesome. Wow. Go to the Kirby thing on there. Go to meeverstutnintendo.com 
or dot net. Oh, Miiverse.Nintendo.net. I'm sorry. Um, does dot com work as well? Let's see. The important things I do for my listeners. Yeah, dot com does not work. Miiverse.Nintendo.net. Right. Yeah, Nintendo's skipping the E3 press conference this year. They just, we don't have any new hardware to talk about, so we'll just use our Nintendo Directs to talk about any new game announcements that we have. Is basically what Honestly, saying. I think that's a really good move for them. I suppose. I mean, both I Sony and uh, Microsoft are having their conference pre-E3, and they've been doing so well with the Nintendo Directs. It just makes sense to save money and just do a Nintendo Direct. It's interesting you say that, but I, um, if you listen, if you talk to anyone else in the industry, they completely disagree. It's interesting though; they disagree for a lot of reasons because they're actually not saving money. They actually do; they still have rented out the Nokia Theater. Really? Oh, because they did yeah. it in advance. Hmm. Actually, there's two things they're doing. They're going to have an investor call. Not a, like not really an investor call. They're going to get their investors in. They're going to get uh, buyers like from Walmart or whatever and Best Buy, and they're going to have a, a, a meeting in the Nokia Theater with just them presentation for them and, and then, then there's a press a only thing, thing but i think it's like the um elite press like their close relationship oh yeah yeah press. rp gamer would never get in that. yeah what they're basically and what they're going to do is they're going to open the show especially since the fact that they're going to let people into their booth on the show floor early oh really that's what that is and they're going to get just let them play some games and that's all it is just hands-on game time basically it's the people that would normally be in the red section yeah so that's already known for sure manny yeah, but that's what they're doing. They, they okay. have to re-clarify. I mean, that's how bad Nintendo is at these kind of things. That they have to make a second announcement that they're not having. Well, they're not doing an E3 press conference and elaborate on. Yeah, that. it was really confusing when they said um, we're not going to do a press conference, but we'll have a separate event just for press. It's what it sounded like in the first announcement. I was like, well, doesn't that make that a press conference? <laughs> Hence the clarification. No, it's just them getting into play games early. Great. Um, the. <laughs> oh, and Anna, the thing is, I agree with you that the Nintendo Direct is good at getting their message across, but the problem is it's good at getting their message across to the choir, to people who are already Nintendo fans. And wait, a who... second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Is the reason they're running the theater and just having investors there so they can have an hour and a half discussion about why they shouldn't pull their investments from the company? Is it, it all seems da- like they may- It's all damage control. It seems control. like they built the Nokia theater so beforehand, that- and, and they changed their mind. Uh-huh. But maybe that's what it is. They want to focus on damage control, and they they figure, you know, we really don't need to spend this time on announcements. We need uh, right now to shore up our financial situation. But on the Nintendo Direct thing, like a lot of what I'm hearing is like, yeah, it, the Nintendo Direct is great for reaching, you know, their already on, their audience that's already there. But well, well, hold it on. does. It gets to the press, and then the press puts the stuff out, and that's all no, the no, press no, no. conference. It does. doesn't get to UC, it doesn't get to USA Today or oh. the or. The New York Times. Okay, and that's or the, and that know, was the that was the whole issue when people stopped doing big E threes at all is they stopped yeah. doing coverage in those big media outlets and the industry said uh, that was a mistake. Um, so we need to get in those things, which means Nintendo won't have any coverage in those things. Ooh. Uh, that's what I'm saying though. Like yeah, like uh, like Funimon says in the thing, soccer moms don't watch Nintendo directs, but they do. They will watch the local news or the USA Today or America t- or uh, Good Day America, and they'll where they talk about the Nintendo press conference. Well, or USA has like a two page spread. Well, soccer moms aren't buying Wii U's, just like how nobody else is buying Wii U's. Wait, yeah. no, soccer moms are buying games for children under eight. Right, which means their kids are telling them what system they want, not the mom. Right. 
<laughs> so I'm, I'm, you think I'm joking, but seriously, that's what kids are playing. What'd now. you say? Oh, yeah, iPad. Yeah, They're, right. So I mean, the thing is, like, the Nintendo Direct is great for us who will watch the live stream, but it won't get any bigger audience than that, right? It won't get the people outside. It won't be the. <clears> it's not the Blue Ocean strategy that made the Wii such a success. Yeah, but you know what? That's that's a strategy that can't work twice. Not with the system they have. They, they if, if that's the argument, and if that's the case, that's true. Then maybe they are better off with just a Nintendo Direct, talking to the audience they already have, and hoping to grow it slowly. I don't know what they're. They need a plan. <laughs> I don't know what their plan should be. Well, it sounds like. I don't, it's interesting though. I mean, this is one of the first times. Well, I guess the good thing is on Tuesday, everyone can just wake up a little later. I don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. <laughs> Did someone get their – oh, yeah, because you had to take transport in. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, and I'd be, oh. I usually be in there at 7 a.m. so I can hold seats for everybody. Yeah. Oof. I can wake up like at – it'll still start at 12. So, I'll just so wake the up Nintendo like press conference was one of my highlights of the show every year, even when they didn't have much to announce because you know it's Nintendo and it's cool to go to Nintendo's thing and see their trivia and stuff. Um, so I'm a little less sad that I will be missing E3 this year because no Nintendo. Now there's just the uh, Sony press conference that I really wish I could be at. Um, I should wish to be at the Xbox conference, but um, they've kind of snubbed us the past couple of years. So, uh, well, I'm we could talk about it off the. Yeah, you're right. We should. Oh well. Anyway. Well, I'm not going this year. What do I care? I can say whatever I want. Oh, it sounds like you picked a good year not to come. <laughs> I know. Well, I don't know the new consoles, man. Yeah, but what are you gonna? Are you really gonna wait like in a four-hour line to play it for two minutes? If that's if that's all there is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'm not going to. I'm going to relax and go on a honeymoon. Is what I'm going to do. All right, Skyrim Legendary Edition. All right. So people have been waiting for a bundled edition of Skyrim. It's coming. It's coming on June fourth. It's going to have Dragonboard, Dawnguard, and Hearthfire DLC all included. Um, it'll be on PC, Xbox 360, and PS3, and it will have the latest version of the game, 1.9, in the box there. So that includes the mounted combat and like the the kill cams for arrows, right? Yeah. So you and can get, you can have all this stuff just naturally patching the game and buying the expansions as they came out. But if you've been waiting, here's your bundled version. Um, and th- this is the end of Skyrim. They are done making more content for this game. They're Good, I have been waiting for this. So you have. I'm ready to jump in. <laughs> All right. So this is this is it. Which version are you going to get? Uh, three sixty. Okay. Good. Don't get the PS3. I, it's only a question. Between, I thought you were asking me if I was going to get the PC version. No, no, That's no. That's what I thought you were asking. I was me. just making sure you weren't getting the because PS3 the PS3 version, version does not exist, <laughs> as far as you concerned. Oh, you mean the paperweight version? Yeah. Well, this is it's patched. It should mostly work now. Mostly. <laughs> I I still think if you're buying this game on any Bethesda game on a PS3, you're a chump. Uh, you're Have you not been learned after being burned five times in a row? <laughs> five times in a row. Did you not learn after getting burned after Oblivion? After getting burned after Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas? Have you not learned after buying the first version of Skyrim? Stop buying it, dude. Preach it. Then Wolf Skyrim. Um, Wolf says, "I only have a PS3." Then I'm, I, Skyrim's not for you. Then. <laughs> what can I say? Come Oblivion on. was. It'll probably be okay enough now. All right, all right, all right, all right. Rent it from Redbox. See if it works. <laughs> see if it works first. <laughs> probably a good idea. All right, Devil Summoners, Soul Hackers. 
Hey, uh, John and Alex, you been waiting for this game? Um, no. Not so no? much. Oh. Well, <laughs> then you won't care about this story. <laughs> it's coming out in Europe this fall. <laughs> so, it's a 3DS game. Of course John doesn't care about it. Oh, yeah. Good point. He can't commit to any of the 3DS systems. He's got to get one. All right. Uh, Devil Summoner coming out this fall. Anna, you had a story. Throw it to me. Um, some company I've never heard of announced River City Ransom 2. Oh, yeah. Where's that story? So, Nobody covered it. Uh, River City Ransom 2 on hold. Wait. Yeah. So basically, originally this was announced in 2010 by some Japanese company I've also never heard of. And then 2012, they were like, yeah, it's on indefinite hold. And then earlier this week, um, a different company was like, yep, we are definitely oh, making River City Ransom I know Ransom why you heard too. about it. It's a Canadian studio. Combat. Yeah, that's it. And um, and we're going to kickstart it this summer, and we're really excited to get working on it. And it's coming out August 2014 for PC and, quote-unquote, possibly other consoles. And whoever their community manager is needs to be shot. Because I follow their Twitter, and this morning they retweeted like 15 news stories within two minutes. And they're all the same news story because all they've announced is that they're making the game and that it's going to be kickstarted later this year. Ooh. So they're working with the people who made River City Ransom EX. That was for DS, right? No, it was a GBA remake. Oh, GBA. Okay. Yeah. And I loved it. I mean, it had some technical issues and... Um, it had some pacing issues, but overall, it was a really awesome game, and I really liked it. It probably helped that it was localized by Tom. Hmm. <laughs> ah, your so, yeah, friend. It had very witty writing, Yes, and uh, I definitely enjoyed it. Yes, yes. So look forward to that this fall, I guess, when they'll kickstart it. Yeah. It'll be a story when, again when, then. Yeah. When they actually kickstart it, there uh, will be a second story. In the and meantime. If they spam Twitter again, I'm going to shoot them more. Well, yeah, because you have control over that. All right. So in the meantime, The Witcher 3 has confirmed no multiplayer. They've also confirmed that they're going to sell the game DRM free uh, for the retail and GOG version. Ooh. And they've also said no quick time events no more. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, it was I, this I big article in Forbes, right. this big interview they did in Forbes, if you want to read it. So apparently they were going to do multiplayer, and now they've dropped it. So, Well, they never really said they were going to do it. I think it's sort of that they were sort looking of that at it, right? yeah. blog news cycle where they, if anyone shows like, I bet someone asked, do you think about multiplayer for that since you're going to do it for, uh, I'm like, uh, it's a possibility, we'll think about it. And then they said, multiplayer coming to The Witcher 3. <laughs> Gaming and you know. And they said, so what happens in the multiplayer mode you guys are putting in? It's like, we never said we are putting in the multiplayer mode. I said, we might think about if it would work in a game like this. And it doesn't. So why not? <laughs> <laughs> we thought about it. took three minutes, and we dumped it. And yes, Basically. Lunatmon, she's talking about Tom Hulett. That's right. Uh, let's see. All right. Well, that's all I got for news, guys. Ticket to Ride's on sale on Steam. I really miss... Uh, I, I miss uh, JC. He was he will always give those Steam sales every week. Um, oh well, stuff's on sale. Go to Cheap S Gamer. Find out what. <laughs> you guys got any more stories for me? Anything to leave the people with, or some feedback questions for next week? 
Um, actually, send feedback. How about that? Just send feedback, period? Okay. What do you want to see out of E3 now that it's coming up? Yeah. Is there anything you want RP Gaming to do at E3? Send us a letter telling us what Manny should eat for breakfast. Okay. And if you took, if you bothered to spend money on that Star Trek game, tell us how much you're regretting it. And then I also want to hear about Monaco, whether or not I should buy that because it's oh a yeah, game. that Star Trek game sounds so bad, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds really terrible. Yeah. I can't wait to play it with Anna. <laughs> no, why do you want to punish me? Because <laughs> it's a Star Trek game and it's co-op. It'll make it better. Maybe it's just terrible. that's what you said about War of the North. Did you know, like, I, I, three people tried to review that game for RP Gamer, <laughs> and they never did because they just kept on breaking. They said, F it. I, can't, I didn't beat it. Forget it. <laughs> yeah, it's not good when people can't beat your game. <laughs> F it. I'm moving on. I'm sorry. Your save file is corrupted. I'm sending you back. <laughs> no. <laughs> Stop it. All right, well, that's time to stop this podcast then. Uh, send us your feedback, podcast.rpgamer.com or 608-729-4098. We'll catch you next week. Uh, 11 a.m. What is it? Yeah. Oh, that's Central Time. That's why it sounded wrong. Noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific is when we stream live at rpgamer.com slash live. You can catch us there and uh, on Twitch TV. And you can follow us on Twitter, rpgamer. Facebook, we got rpgamer. And YouTube or RPGamer, D-O-T-C-O-M, RPGamer.com. And uh, that's it. I do have a question for the week for everybody. Go for it. Okay, so in the RPGamer chat, I mean staff chat, we've been talking about how, well, uh, our editor-in-chief in particular has been talking about how there aren't any big console RPGs for the rest of the year. And there's unlikely to be any announcements of any big RPGs at E3 because if there are, they're probably going to be for next gen and won't come out until next year, right? So what RPG guys are you looking for at the end of the year? It doesn't seem like there's much of anything on the horizon, except for, like, maybe, I don't know. I, I really don't know. So I want to know what you guys are actually looking forward to at the at the later half of 2012, RPG-wise. Yes. We're going to have to do a what are you looking forward to at E3 thing soon, too. I just, I don't, well, you know, mostly um, next, like, there are hardly ever any launch RPGs for yeah. good reason. Yep. Well, it takes a while. Yeah, so... Hey, there I, were four for the PS2. And how many of them were good? Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, ponder that for the rest of the week. That's what we leave you with. And thanks for joining us. And we'll catch you next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye now. Egg muffins. <laughs> <laughs>